Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another edition of the Reaching the Summit podcast. My name is Todd Buckingham. You can find me on Twitter at Reach Summit Pod. I'm Zach Dosh. You can find me on Twitter at Zach Dosh. And this is Greg Steeman. I am and I am on Twitter at Greg Steeman. Well, gentlemen, our usually our most listened to podcast is is the season preview podcast followed by this one. But then this year we interviewed the commissioner that probably took the lead. But uh, this is an exciting podcast. What we're going to do today is talk our player of the year, first, second team, freshman of the year, all the league awards. And then we'll spend the second half talking about the tournament. And, and yeah, South Dakota State is the prohibitive favorite. But as Oral Roberts showed on, on Thursday and, and North Dakota State has shown in many, that that's not nothing's going to be easy for them. So it'll be a fun discussion about the, the tournament second half of the show today as well. Todd, I'm so excited about this. I'm in a tuxedo. You're going to have to take wow. my word for it. I'm in a tuxedo. It's award ceremony. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to dress up to the bit here. Um, but I, but my challenge to everybody is try to prove us wrong, right? Tell us why we're wrong. It's not fun to always say that we're right, you know? Tweet well, at us every, why we're wrong. That's more fun, right? I agree. Everybody knows I'm usually wrong, and so I think I'm an easy target in this one. So, yeah, I'm all for that. <laughs> and and yeah. see, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty positive. I think we're right, but that's, that's okay. <laughs> you can still disagree. Why so, are you booing? I'm right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, Verbal Zach's meme. the yeah. tuxedo. I'm in a Gary Morris t-shirt. I'm yeah. not even sure who that is. I got it at Goodwill. But, uh, yeah, I, I didn't realize we were dressing up. All right. Well, let's start with player of the year. And I personally think this one is is pretty slam dunk, but I think there are at least arguments for other players. Whoever wants to start first, who do you have as your Summit League player of the year? Okay, I'll take Baylor Sharman, and you guys can argue for everybody else. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a good pick, Zach. That's not that's not a bad pick at all. Why don't you go? Why don't you Why don't you say why you think he's the player of the year? So, you know, just on stats alone, you know, third in scoring, first in rebounding, second in field goal percentage, first in assists, first in assists to turnover, third in steals. You know, you name it. Um, best player on an undefeated team in the conference. Um, Probably could easily be the defensive player of the year as well. Uh, huge second half when they absolutely needed it on the most critical uh, road trip of the year this last weekend, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I really don't know where you would start uh, if you were trying to make a case against him. Uh, Max Aismith, I, I think you know, he was the one, obviously, pre preseason player of the year. Um, like I said, I my eyes tell me that something isn't quite right with him. And I, we talked about this last week. That's 100% speculation. Uh, his production's definitely been down. Um, it, they just don't quite have uh, the Kevin O'Banner to go with them this year. Shane Weaver's just not playing quite as well. It's just uh, the, all the production is kind of down uh, lately with him. So I, I think that kind of, I don't want to say eliminates him. He's, there's no doubt about it. He's going to get plenty of uh, votes. But uh, I don't really see anybody all that close to Baylor right now. Well, I'll, I'll jump in and... and uh say that I'm in complete agreement with you. It pains me, Zach, to, to have to say that, but I think, <laughs> I think without question, I hit the nail on the head. And, and he is um, just one of those guys that, and I think some of the best players, and we'll probably see that from a lot of the first team uh, all-league players, is they're not only good at, at, at 
doing things individually, they really do elevate the level of play of their teammates. And uh, I mean, I don't know if you guys saw it last night, just that two man game with he and Douglas Wilson is after the, off the screen and roll action, he delivers a, a, an absolute dime in stride behind the back to Douglas Wilson for a dunk on a, on a screen and roll situation. And that, that's just, that's just him. He, sees the game, and, and I've said this, and I'm sorry for being a broken record, he sees the game two and three steps ahead of a lot of other players on the floor at times. Uh, his ability to distribute and, and lead teammates into great scoring opportunities is second to none. So, And he, along with, and I'm just going to say this, he, along with every other player on the South Coast State roster, they elevated their production in conference as opposed to pre-conference, and they, we all know why they had to do that when Noah Friedel ended up basically, you know, out of the rotation, everybody else stepped their game up and they weren't going to replace him with one guy, but they replaced him collectively. And that's a, that's a true credit to guys like Shireman and Wilson and probably more importantly, the coaching staff at South Dakota State. So I don't want to get too far off Shireman. I think he's hands down the player of the year this season. The only other thing I'll point out is I think Rocky Cruiser is right there as well. I think the thing that he runs into is he doesn't have the same type of statistical performance as some of these other guys but i think he's every bit as good as a player you know he just happens to play next to grant nelson and with sam greasel and some of these other guys that kind of in it eat into his stats a little bit but i mean i i don't i care less about stats than i think some other voters may uh i think he's a tremendous player he's been extremely consistent uh he's been the most consistent force on that team really all year as they've gone through some ups and downs and you know uh, a little this all that but um, I, I think he is right there. I think he should be getting votes for conference player of the year. He won't win it, but he should be getting votes and he should be solidly on the first team. Well, well and some of the reason why players like Cruiser won't get votes is because Shireman's going to get so many, yeah. at least for player of the year, that number one spot. But yeah, it great player. And well, South Dakota State, and a lot of this is South Dakota State's just so dominant too. Like yeah. they're just, it, they deserve to be rewarded. I think it's important to remember, and, and we, we all kind of go, well, if you vote for someone, it's a vote against someone else. No, that's that's not the case. There are some, you know, look at what Evan Gilliard did, you know, for Kansas City this year. It's hard to argue that he, you know, without him, his team, you know, if you, if, you know, when you talk about player of the year, if you took that player off the roster, where would that team have finished in the league? You know, and it's, right. and, and that's all subjective without question, but it's a, there's nobody saying that there aren't other deserving people. I just think in a year like this, where South Dakota state makes history and goes through the league undefeated and, and Shireman is, is the clear leader of that team. Um, uh, yeah, it's hard to argue against it, but I think there are other, other deserving players that are, if you voted for them, uh, I don't think you have to be embarrassed by that at all. I think it's justified and it's not something that's against Shireman if you voted for somebody else. Well, and I'm in agreement with you guys on who the player of the year should be. So let's talk a little bit more about some of the other deserving players. So with the summit league, you get the player of the year and then five other players that join them on the first team. Who are some players that you guys would have joining Baylor Shireman on that first team? So what have Rocky Cruiser, like I talked about, I think he's a, an absolute no brainer. First teamer, uh, Max Asmus as well. It's not like he had a, a bad year. It's just relatively speaking for what Max normally does. Uh, it just was, was a little off that mark. Uh, see, but, he, but he's a clear first-team all-conference player. Um, I also put Gilliard on there, too. You know, I, I think he is a first-teamer. 
uh, just looking at the impact that he made on this team, the difference between last year's team and this year's team is basically him. Yeah, right. Brandon McKissick's not there, but, I mean, he just, you know, part of it was how good he played, and the other part of it was how perfectly he fit in there and how he met that team's needs and the response. I mean, they're they're in the third place right now. So uh, I have him on there. I, I'd also have Douglas Wilson on there. Um, you know, I I think if you're looking at this year alone, it, you know, maybe you could debate it a little bit with some of these other players, but, you know, at, at the same time, that's almost kind of more of like a career achievement type deal for Wilson. Uh, but he has been playing well. I mean, he has been more consistent. He has been more healthy. So I, have, I don't really have a problem putting him on the first team. And then uh, for my last one, I'll, I'll put uh, Nesbitt on there. I'll, I'll put Nesbitt on there. Um, it, that one I think is probably going to be a little controversial, but, you know, defensively, he is right there with anybody. He's right there with anybody. He's, and he's averaging 14 points per game. And um, so as I'm noticing this right now, two Kansas City players on the first team. So I'm sure that'll probably stick out. But, you know, I wanted to kind of stir the pot a little bit. I, and it's hard to argue against any of those. Um, I don't disagree with, with Ace Miss, um, clearly deserving Gilliard uh, without question. Uh, I think Douglas Wilson definitely earned it, you know, averaging over 17 a game in league play, still a go-to guy. Uh, the way South Dakota State utilizes him in isolation situations, he's still one of the toughest matchups in the league. Uh, you talked about Cruiser, absolutely. The, you know, the guy I throw in there is I throw Sam Griesel in there because when I look at what NDSU is without him compared to what NDSU is with him, his value in, you know, to that team is indisputable and unquestionable. And I also just look at how he continues to elevate his level of play down the stretch here. Um, there have been times in some games where he's simply said, you know, all right, let's go, guys, get on my back. And, and you know, if, if I happen to miss when I'm going to the rim, you guys clean it up on the offensive glass. Um, I, I still like the way he's playing down the stretch, and I think he's an absolutely uh, vital cog to NDSU's success. You know, think about Greasel. He hasn't just been – like, normally he's just been good offensively. I think he's been great recently. Yeah. yeah. I mean, for the last five games, over 20 points, like, he's – and his outside shot has really came along nicely. So, I mean, I could definitely see somebody saying, hey, especially because of the way he finished and, you know, taking into account the fact that he had an issue why, you know, uh, an injury as, as to why his production wasn't there at the beginning of the year, that, that, you know, if you extrapolate the last couple of weeks over the whole season, that's where he should have been. You can't hold that against him because he was hurt. I, I understand that argument 100%. Well, and one name that you guys didn't mention that I would put on my first team is Mason Archambault for South yeah. Dakota. I, I I would take off Nesbitt and I actually would take off Cruiser and put Greasel in his place. Um to 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 one of Greg's points, the the numbers would point to Cruiser, but we saw what North Dakota State was without Sam Greasel. And I just think he makes that whole thing run. And so I would put him first team and Rocky second team. But the only name that I that you guys did not mention, I would put Mason Archimbaugh on the first team. I love Archimbaugh. I really do. And I, to be honest with you, I put him just outside the top six on my ballot. I think he's that good. And, and, and there and arguments can certainly be made for him being on the first team because I was the one that probably continuously said, I think USD has a ceiling. I think because of Mason Archambault's play this year, that ceiling was higher than I certainly anticipated. Yeah. So me, me saying cruisers solidly on the first team is partly a silent. Well, I guess not so silent, but protests that he should be getting more touches so that's kind of <laughs> my, my the, the mental gymnastics that i'm playing with that one 
Um, but yeah, no, it's second team Mason Archambault. Absolutely. hundred percent. Absolutely. He is, he is solid, man. He is so good. He's better than that. Actually. He's, he's a great player. Um, and then the other guys on the second team, well, you know, cause I, I agree. So, cause I didn't have him on the first team. And, and again, I, I could, I could swap Greasel and Nesbitt, you know, that's certainly understandable. Um, probably would do that the more I think about it, but we'll see. Uh, and then, you know, Masner, I'd probably put him on there. You know, again, they, Western Illinois did really fade, um, but I'd still probably have him on there. And then, then it gets really, really interesting. Um, uh, obviously I think you probably just put Grant Nelson on there because he's Grant Nelson and, He's not really physically like anybody else in the conference. Um, and then it, it, you know, so I, I'd say Greasel, Archambault, and Grant Nelson solidly on there. And then outside of that, I'll group Masner, Bruns, KJ Hunt, Riley Miller, Frankie Fiddler, and Cruz Perro Hunt all in that last group for the last spot. And just ask me today, I may give you one answer. Ask me tomorrow, I may give you another answer. Which one of those guys should be taking the last spot on the second team? I don't know. What do you guys think? Well, it, it's a good question. Um, you know, the guys, and, and I want to make sure I try to remember this as best I can. I mean, uh, I had both Peril Hunt and and, and uh, Archambault on there. Um, I did have Trenton Masner. I, I think he's one of the best players in the league. I think he deserves to be on one of the top two teams. Um, I had um, Arkel Lamar. I just thought he was really good down the stretch for Kansas City as well. And, and he and Gilliard seemed to have kind of a chemistry between them. Um, I think he's a guy that, that put up pretty consistent numbers. And I thought he was a guy that earned a spot on the team. And I don't know if that gets me to the proper number or not, but I, I know if it doesn't, I know the names that you mentioned, Zach, at least one of those then would fill my spots. Yeah, again, it's all about what's your opinion. And you can, I think you can make a strong case for any one of these guys. But again, like you guys said, just because you make a case for one guy doesn't mean that you're trying to take anything away from another guy. It's just there can only be five spots. And I think the voting, I think the, the second team all conference is going to be probably the most interesting vote of this entire thing. I'm really curious to see what people think. It will be. And Todd, I want you to jump in. But and I think in a big part, it really comes down to the voting you're going. Are you looking at the best player on some of the bottom teams? Or are you looking at the, the second or third player on some of those middle and top teams? And I think that comes down to personal choice uh, with the voters. And my guess is there's a lot of different approaches on it. Mm-hmm. Well, and so for my second team, I, I agree with you, Zach, that Western really faded, but Trent Masner, not only on offense, but on defense, like Western's biggest issue is offense. I mean, on defense and it's not, because of Trenton Masner, it's because of other parts there. So I'd have him, I'd have uh, Nesbitt, who who does a lot of the same things Trenton Masner does, just a little bit different way. Um, I'd have Cruz Perro Hunt, and I would have. Uh, then there, it gets real tricky after that. You get into the KJ Hunt, um, that that group. I don't think Grant Nelson. Like I just. I think Grant Nelson suffers from the same thing he said Rocky Cruiser does. Like, yeah, just needs to. I I think the talent is there, but it's not a. I'm not rating them for NBA Live or NBA 2K or whatever. Um, yeah. And so the it gets real tricky for those last two spots for me. I I I think Rocky's there. Sorry, Rocky. I wasn't remembering he since I didn't have him on the first team, he'd be the top of my my second team and. I think Arkel Lamar is another one of those. 
you know, Kansas City finished tied for second, ended up in the, with the four seed for the tournament without their preseason uh, first team guy almost the entire season. And that's a credit to to Lamar along with Nesbitt and uh, and Gilliard. So I think that would round out my five. I was trying to find a way for one of the St. Thomas guys to get on there, but they faded so bad after the non-conference. I don't think I would put any of them on second team, but uh, yeah. That's what I was thinking too. I was, I was trying to, you know, in honor of St. John's winning the Mayak today, I was trying <laughs> to find a way to, a way to get a St. Thomas player on the second team. I thought about wedging in there Riley Miller, but I included him in the group. So I cheated, but. I I was pretty sure a St. John's mention was going to happen at some point today. I did see I did see the tweet earlier. Yeah, uh, yeah. Parker Parker Bjorkland is probably my closest um, of those three guys at at St. Thomas um, that I would think about putting on the second team. And you got guys with really good numbers like Bruns, but I I will save that for at least for me for the all freshman race or the newcomer team, that kind of mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. So here's an interesting, t- I'm interested to get your guys' take on this. Cause you've got, we've got Masner on the second team, Gilliard on the first team. So let's move to newcomer of the year. Do you guys ever think differently? Like we put Gilliard on the first team, but Masner's the newcomer of the year, anything like that, or is Gilliard just our kind of runaway newcomer of the year? I had him third on my list of with the first team, uh, but is he the newcomer of the year? I I think so, and I'm glad that they separated this from freshman of the year. I think it makes a lot of sense. And uh, yeah. like I said, he's a like like we've been saying, he's a transfer portal success story, and so just really happy about that. And uh, yeah, I, he's my newcomer of the year. I'm right there with you. I, I think both he and Masner, I mean, solidly impacted their teams. I don't think either team finishes where they're at in the league um, without the addition of Gilliard and Masner. But, you know, from my standpoint, I'm just looking at the way Kansas City's playing down the stretch. Gilliard has been playing at a very high level, and, and uh, I just think uh, Gilliard is, is the clear uh, newcomer of the year. Well, and think of some of the newcomers this year. You've got Gilliard, who we all pick as our newcomer of the year, I do as well. But then you've got KJ Hunt. Mm-hmm. You've got Isaac McBride, who who you know doesn't make any of our teams, but had a pretty big impact, especially at the end of the year. Luka Barisic, Trent Masner, like just so many great players that were added this season. And that's not even counting the freshmen either. Right. You know. Right. There's a lot of the freshmen, so it's. It's interesting, you know. There's obviously the teams that had the consistency uh, definitely benefited from that this year. You know, there's some teams that really took advantage of that COVID year, um, but there's, you know, the the the, cha- the talent is churning, and um, teams are able to rebound, and that that's good to see. And it's we always, we, you know, I won't turn this into a transfer portal conversation that we've had 45 times, but the. There's so much desire to move up, yet look what happens with with guys that K.J. Hunt didn't even really move down. He, he came from, you know, similar level at Moorhead State, but obviously had a conversation about what his role would be like. And to go to 15.5 points a game when he averaged seven or something last year, what an opportunity for him. And another year left still at Denver. 
Yeah, and, and yeah, I think you tweeted it out. I mean, like, who would have thought they were going to win seven league games? I mean, that's, that's unreal. They, they'd won the three prior years combined. Yep. And that's that's a little bit of a success story. Hunt obviously had a lot to do with that. And they're going to come in with uh, with some confidence into that tournament. No pressure on them at all. And um, so I think that's going to be certainly certainly going to be a challenge for NDSU. But I, I agree with you. A uh, lot of a lot of impressive newcomers in the league, and as as you talked about, Zach, some transfer portal success stories without question. I mean, the only thing I'll say is I I hope now that we're another year into this, and there you know maybe some of the irrational exuberance has worn off. I hope coaches and players have a better understanding of how to uh, operate out of the the transfer portal, in and out of the transfer portal, and what to expect and what to do and what's realistic, and you know because we're seeing that the numbers are obviously pretty brutal. But um, like I said, it was it was a new thing for them. And so hopefully we're just learning. Hopefully everybody is just learning because there's a lot of situations that occurred that didn't help anybody, quite frankly. And um, I'm just really curious to see what the actual numbers are this year in terms of the entrance and people that find new scholarships and just to see if we start to see a trend. Yeah. So let's move to freshman of the year. We've got, I, I think it kind of comes down to three guys and maybe, well, maybe four. If we had him, Frankie Fiddler, he's fair to add in there. You got Paul Bruns at North Dakota. You've got Zeke Mayo at South Dakota State, Tevin Smith at Denver, and Frankie Fiddler. Well, and you could even say Colin Porter at Denver and Frankie Fiddler at Omaha. Who who do you guys have as freshman of the year? I, I went with Zeke Mayo and I just, and I, uh, he fit into that that new system or, or that that group at uh, South Dakota State. I don't think anybody expected him to have the pressure on him that he ended up having on him to to really fill a role. And uh, granted, he may be the the third, fourth, or fifth option for them, but I just thought his uh, the manner in which he played and uh, and allowed South Dakota State not to have really much drop off at all. Um, I went with him, and, and that's. I, I think this is going to be a very interesting conversation because I'll, I'll echo what I said before. Voting for him is not anything negative towards any of those other players. They were an extremely impressive group of freshmen, just as much so as when we talked about the newcomers. Yeah, I mean, you have uh, Zeke Mayo, who probably fit his role the best and played on the best team. You know, you have Frankie Fiddler, who probably came on the strongest at the end uh, out of all these guys. You have Paul Bruns, who probably or, or did have the most consistent production throughout, throughout the course of the year and had the biggest role on a team, uh, but wasn't as successful. And and Tevin Smith, who is kind of, you know, a, a little bit of everything. Um, so it just kind of depends on what you want to see out of your six, uh, out of your freshman. Um, I'd go with Paul Bruns just because, you know, I was really curious how this was going to go. I mean, c- clearly, you know, at, from last year, UND was down their top six players uh, that still had eligibility left, right? So, you know, the situation really uh, dissolved into that, and it was basically left with Paul. Paul Bruns is like the last man standing. Um, and I was curious to see, would his production wane? Would it, uh, you know, is he just kind of, is he just a three-point shooter and that's it? You know, what is he going to do? And honestly, he kept doing a little bit more and more every game. He was getting the opponent's best defender, Every single game, every team was designed their defense to stop him. I mean, they're really, you know, they're starting to get physical with him and they were really trying to do everything. And he still found a way to produce at a pretty efficient clip. So he's seventh in the, in the conference at scoring. Um, and he had uh, six rebounds uh, per game. Um, 
I can't remember what what that, that put him at like like sixth or seventh in the conference at rebounding too, which is six rebounds a game. And so I mean, just the way he rebounded, he, he's a, he's a good defender too. I just I was really really impressed with how he continued to get better throughout the course of the year when everybody was throwing everything at him and he didn't hit the freshman wall. He didn't get frustrated. He just kept playing, uh, played always hard. I mean, I think that's exhibited with the rebounds. And so I was just really, really impressed with him this year. I think, I think they really have a star there up in Grand Forks and, you know, some direction to that roster that they need. So um, he'd be my freshman of the year right now. I think that's a good assessment. I think it's a good argument. I I would go with Bruns also. I, to, to your point, Zach, just getting the other team's best effort when he to, to try to score the ball, and he just kept doing it. I, I agree that he's a star, and I think he's a Summit League star. I don't think we'll see a repeat of what we've seen with the last couple of years for North Dakota. I think he's a building block that they're going to keep adding to. Um, Zeke Mail's the most talented freshman, but I'd still go with uh, Paul Bruns. And I don't think Porter and Smith can be forgotten either. Kevin Smith at 6'5 or whatever was tied for the league lead in blocks. Yeah. And so not only did he score the ball, not only did he uh, do some great things on the offensive end, he he was a great defender as well. And when you talk Colvin Porter, I have a stat here for you guys. So he led the Summit League in three-point percentage for the year for people eligible with enough attempts at 40 42% um per game or per sh- uh three point percentage sorry other freshman mid-major shooters Steph Curry 40.8 in his freshman year Dame Lillard 37.4% CJ McCollum 42.1 some mid-major freshmen who are now playing in the league you watch Colbin Porter shoot the ball boy can he shoot the ball um, so I, the, I don't want either of them to be left out of the conversation. If there was an all freshman team, which they don't do it, those two would definitely be on it. And, um, but I just think Bruns kind of carrying the load and yes, they didn't make the tournament, but they fought to the end. He was there. I would still go with Bruns. Yeah. So you you're saying think- the, you're saying the Nuggets drafted the wrong Porter. I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> one is quite a bit taller and probably worth what they, but well, his brother can play too. Yeah, you know, but, but, but it's, that's a very good point though. Like it, it is literally just about height. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if Coben Porter is six, seven, he is easily at a power five program, but he's six, four. And so he's in the summer league and, and that's fine. I mean, it's Denver's game, you know? And I think the one last thing I'll say about uh, Bruns is that, I do normally put a pretty big emphasis on winning. I just think freshman of the year is just a little different. You know what I mean? I, in terms of player of the year, like I don't think you could be the player of the year on a team that's in the bottom half of the conference. I just don't think, I I really, really don't think that that's possible. Um, But with freshman of the year, I just think that is award is a little different because we're talking about like an actual freshman. And it could be, and and you guys make great arguments. You didn't change my mind, but I think you guys make great arguments. (laughs) And we didn't even talk about Frankie Fiddler, who uh, yeah. done at the end of the season may have been playing at a higher level than almost any of the freshmen. So right. really a dynamic group. And, and uh, I love the discussion and really some worthwhile considerations. And I think whoever does win, it's going to be very deserving. It's really eye-opening how many different ways there are to build your team. And there's no wrong way. And, you know, there's a lot of options available to these coaches. 
And so you'd like to think, you know, like, especially so take UND, right. There's a lot of different ways to get that roster to bounce back. I mean, obviously, you know, having the red shirts play, you know, there was a Johnny Levias that they were talking about playing and Mitchell Suker and things like that. But then also, you know, I think they may have another scholarship or, or two open up here. And so, um, the expectation is to bounce back if you're having a down year, no doubt about it. Well, and I think the greatest part is who knows what's going to happen come a month or two from now. But I think the greatest part of this discussion, I, I was just said this on Twitter earlier today. I think this is the strongest the Summit League has ever been. And I expect most, if not all, of these newcomers and freshmen we just talked about to be back in the league next year. It just has that feel to me. I, I agree. I, I agree. Like, I, like the the ones that I know more about their situation, I I agree. I I don't think that's. I don't think we're gonna have quite the same situation as last year. Um, I also don't think that we'll probably have guys transferring up like we did last year. You know, last year was just a highly, highly unique situation. Obviously, with the COVID year and people transferring. I mean, it, there was what four or five players actually transferring up, uh, and then obviously quite a few lateral moves in there, but. Um, I'm not. I'm not anticipating that either. I would. I would totally agree with you, Todd. I. I totally appreciate you guys' optimism, and I hope you guys are right. <laughs> I, I. I really do. I mean, I do. I hope that some semblance of reality and and perspective enters into it. Yeah. I, I'm just going to say that. I hope you guys are right. Yeah. I'm not going to throw a damper on anything. Well, I. I would say this. I don't think that there are going to be players that are like playing that transfer as much i mean yeah there may be one or two but mm-hmm. like last year there was a lot of players that had major roles that were transferring i i you know will we see some movement on the end of you know south dakota state's bench and whatever maybe maybe not yeah. but maybe and, and and that stuff to me is way more understandable sure not that anybody needs my permission but <laughs> well and on two last awards that we haven't chatted about Coach of the year, and I, I think it could be an interesting discussion on defensive player of the year, too. Who do you guys have for coach of the year and defensive player of the year? Can't go anywhere else other than Hendo for me. I mean, you know, it's just it's one of those deals where they're undefeated. There's a lot of, again, like some of these other things, you can maybe talk about some other coaches, and there's definitely some coaches, Billy Donlin, he did a good job, but – I mean, South Dakota State's undefeated. You know, I was thinking about this. Never once have we said South Dakota State has had the most talent. We've never, ever said that. I don't think anybody's ever said that. And yet here they are undefeated and they run the conference. And I I just think that's really a testament to Coach Henderson. And um, so that's all the further my conversation needs to go. I I do think they have the most talented player. um, Probably. Probably. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I, I, I think I think you can make a case that some of these other players are uh, have similar talent. I, I don't know. Maybe I hesitate to say that, but I mean, clearly he impacts the game in more ways. And yeah. I think he's used the best on his team. Sure. That's kind of more what I'm getting at. Yeah. Sure. And I, I don't want to ignore the, you know, we, we talk about coaches and their ability to manage not only talent and roles but situations and uh you know we're, we can't ignore the situation that eric henderson had to you know make some tough decisions this year and say this is the group i'm going to roll with and you look how they responded 
and uh, for him to handle it in that manner and have his team roll through, you know, the conference season undefeated. I shouldn't say roll. Well, they were tested on, on, on a number of times without question, and they, they weathered those tests. But I, I think this year is uh, it's a uh, uh, pretty obvious vote for coach of the year. Yeah, I do too. I, I think it's pretty obvious and the best job done and the team that didn't even lose a game. I do think that Billy Donlin deserves, like I wouldn't put him as a co-coach of the year, but Josiah Alec missed almost the entire season. Arkel yeah. Lamar missed a big chunk and he found a way to be tied for second in the conference. And I'll tell you what, I wasn't even sure, you know, when the talk with Kansas City leaving for the Missouri Valley, probably because I was a little, I had my feelings hurt because they want to leave us. But uh, I, I was kind of like, whatever, it's just Kansas City, who cares? I don't know, they got a heck of a ball coach there, though, that can that can sure win some basketball games. So I think he deserves some, some mention in that conversation. And just from a... You know, if, if I were to put a third on the ballot, you can put three down. My my third would be uh, Jeff Wilbrin in, in Denver. The reason I think that teams, several of those players we mentioned earlier are sticking around. I just think there's something, a whole different culture already building in Denver. So four, four road wins after they hadn't won one in two and a half years or whatever. Um, it just, there's a lot of change over there in, in a positive way. So I think those are the three guys that kind of deserve a little, like, here's a shout out. All right. Well, that's kind of it for the awards. I didn't miss anything that you guys are remembering, did I? I don't remember who I voted for Defensive Player of the Year. To be oh, honest. yeah, Defensive because Player of the Year. I knew there was coach, something. Coaches had to nominate him. And, I, and, and Zach, I know you've talked about being a Sherman. I don't believe Sherman was an option, so I'm not sure who – I ended up voting for for defensive defensive player of the year. I'll have to wait and hear some of you guys some of the things you guys throw out, and I'll see if it clicks for me. Why did they say Sharman wasn't an option? Well, coaches he, have to nominate. Yeah, they get nominated. Hmm. So you can't probably win player of the year and defensive player of the year would be my guess. Oh, I, no, I think you can. I think just coaches. It depends on who coaches nominate. I think, I think easily Douglas were nominated for South Dakota State, if I remember right. Hmm. Okay. Um, well then uh, I guess that makes it a little easier for me. Uh, you know, I, I was kind of a little torn between Shireman and Nesbitt, but, um, I'd probably go Nesbitt's route. You know, um, this is a very skilled league. This is a very, you know, obviously the three point shooting is well-documented. You know, I think we've almost kind of become desensitized to actually how good it is. Uh, but the way that Kansas city really plays defense, this is kind of part Nesbitt, part Kansas city. You know, I, I think they've just been fantastic on defense. And, yeah, it can be a little controversial, but you know what? Guess what? I mean, they they, they just keep playing. You know, they, they play through it. And, you know, obviously Nesbitt second in blocks, second in steals. Um, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, I, I almost wouldn't – you know, I, I'd have Grant Nelson right behind him too. And um, just because of how unique he is and how he can guard the rim. But uh, this is a really difficult one because, like, my mind always goes to – who's a good on-ball defender, not necessarily who is the best statistical person. And that is much more difficult to quantify. And obviously it can be highly dependent on matchups and things like that. But um, I I totally expect a lot of debate around around this one too. Yeah, I don't disagree. I think Nesbitt is is a, is a pair. And to to be honest with you, I still can't remember who I went with, but (laughs) Nesbitt, 
is a hard one. And I know I've, I've jokingly, you know, referred to Kansas City as well. You can't call them all. I, I, I that that's a that that's wrong on my part because it's not giving Coach Donlin and his philosophy enough credit. His guys, his kids play their tails off. They compete yeah. and they get after you, and they're so versatile. Yeah, they have Alec, and, and what they accomplished without Alec was extremely impressive. But um, just their interchangeability, kind of that six four and six six. They can have three or four of those guys on the on the on the floor at the same time, and uh, they're they're so good at switching and communicating. Um, and I, I it's typically said tongue in cheek when I say that because they are they, they they defend physically, but they also get after it with with great effort. And Nesbitt is kind of the leader of that group. I mean, just the way that they're able to control games with their physicality and defense is really impressive. You know, mm-hmm. it would be a bigger issue for them if other teams were more determined to go through the contact, make the official blow the whistle, but they literally bend the game to their will. And yeah. uh, I, I think that's impressive. And again, you know, it, it, it it's fine until somebody makes them pay for it, you know? Right. And I, I think there's a lot of, they've been doing it for so long and so well that there's definitely something to that. And I can't argue with it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm with both of you on Nesbitt. I, I think just a one other stat that I always look at when I'm thinking defensive player of the year, and I know it's not a defensive stat, but offensive rebounds to me, like giving your team extra possessions. Yes, it's not defense, but it's another hustle play. It's another thing that help, helps your team get the ball more. And Nesbitt's seventh in the league in offensive rebounds too. So mm-hmm. second in blocks, second in steals. Just makes such an impact on the on the defensive end. I'd I'd go with him. Grant Nelson's another person that deserves a shout out. Should be right there. Charlie Easy, easily Bowden Scunberg, a couple guys that maybe aren't mentioned as often. Both really good shutdown players with just that on ball defender. I think deserve a little bit of mention there as well. But I would go with Nesbitt also. Yeah, I hope people don't hold the fact that Grant Nelson was out for you know a month there with his knee injury against him necessarily. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's nobody like if you're building a defense, who would you rather start your defense with other than Grant Nelson? Right. I mean, he could literally guard one through five yep. and he's leading the league in block shots. So yep. I, I, I maybe I'm talking myself into him. But, uh, you know, I don't know. It, I Again, I'm really curious to see the difference of opinion when the votes come out. Yeah, I'm curious where it goes. Uh, I, I, a lot of people will look at stats and I, that's where I think Nesbitt has a little bit of an advantage, but also where Nelson does as well. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's go into the tournament. Well, we'll this will be our official, what we think is going to happen tournament. And I think most people will have South Dakota State making it to the end and, and winning the tournament, but also curious where people think how we get there. So you've got South Dakota State taking on Omaha. This is not a repeat of the Western Illinois year of a couple of years ago, correct? Correct. Yeah, yeah. Yes, correct. <laughs> I'd like to say more, but there really is. I mean, that Western <laughs> Illinois team had some real offensive talent that, that you know. Well, they had Brandon Gilbeck and they had a bunch of, they had, they had some really kind of unique players on that team. Right. Brandon Gilbeck getting three blocks yeah. a game or whatever. Like, it's yeah. just a different team. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So that one, we won't even spend a whole lot more time because there's more rounds after that. South Dakota State moves on. Then you've got North Dakota State taking on Denver. And either of you guys think there's there's much of a chance of an upset there? I, well, 
NDSU plays in a lot of close games. I mean, yeah. I think the vast majority of their games in conference play, you know, outside of a few, maybe a, a win over uh, St. Thomas at home and, and a few others, uh, because of style of play, you know, we, we it's the old Wisconsin adage, you know, you're, uh, you might be down to them by six. It seems like it's 12. And, and, and if they're, if they're down six, it's, they're not a six or eight. They're not a great comeback team. Although the way, um, Griesel is playing right now. I mean, he, he certainly helps them in that respect. But I mean, Denver is a, is a scary team at the seven. But I, I I'd have to say that NDSU should be a solid favorite. Yeah, yeah, NDSU is going to be to me the focal point of the whole tournament. Like to me, that they're the most interesting team in this tournament right now. Um, and you know, last time they played Denver, it was an eight point game at home. Yeah, and and uh, you know, so I. I, I, I'm not nervous, but, uh, I'm keeping my eye on that one. Like I'm not turning that game off at halftime. Yeah. Yeah. To me, it's North Dakota state, but the same thing you guys said, I mean, if we, if you were to tell me Colvin Porter scores 30 and hits seven, three pointers, am I going, well, okay, then maybe, well, that's, there's a chance there. North Dakota state defends so well. Uh, it's, Denver's not quite there yet. I think in a couple of years we'll be talking even even more glowingly about Denver. But it's not a matchup you can take lightly. It's still North Dakota State for me. Yeah, yeah I mean, you know, it's like part of what makes me nervous about Denver playing NDSU is they're not trying to fight fire with fire. You know what right. I mean? They're not trying to, like, necessarily challenge NDSU's front court. They're trying to spread you out, set pick and pops, knock down threes, you know, more motion offense. And that's not what NDSU does. So at least they're not trying to fight fire with fire. Right. So 3-6, we've got Oral Roberts taking on Western Illinois. I'll start, and then you guys go after me. Uh, Western's just been so odd. I mean, could Western can beat anybody in this yeah. field. But I, I think Oral Roberts gets past this one. I, I think they are, too. Western, I don't think Western could put three games together. But I think they're I think they're the scariest team in a one game matchup because of their True. size, because of their ability with their guard play, because of the fact that Karius can go for 30, even though he's been struggling. Barizic is playing at a pretty high level. Um, and then, you, you know, with Masner and Sandage, I mean, I, I love I shouldn't say they are. They are just an absolute scary team. They've split with Oral Roberts. I was I told somebody I think it's that was the team that NDSU probably wouldn't have wanted to see since they played three overtimes with them already this right. season and uh so they're scary for one game i do know that yeah i we just i i part of me gets the feeling that we have not seen the best of western illinois um uh, like i know that they have another gear i know that will carries is a better player than what he's shown i know that they're explosive on offense but it, it it's not a question of if they can do that it's a question of like all right they're two and five in their last seven what are the chances of them magically turning it around? I just think they're a team heading in the wrong direction, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. Well, and you know, had Oral Roberts beat South Dakota, you their last two games would be a game against South Dakota State. They should have won, hit a few more, a couple free throws at the end, and mm -hmm. we're talking about a one-loss South Dakota State team. But then they they fell down again and just had to claw back against South Dakota and lost that game. I they're they're they win far more games than Western Illinois, but they're baffling too. So it, yeah. if I had to pick an upset of one of the top three seeds, 
that if you like you just said I have to pick one, it would be Western Illinois to beat Oral Roberts. But I still don't think it happens. I mean, we've seen some head scratching games out of Oral Roberts, right? Yeah. The game the game at NDSU it obviously doesn't it hasn't gotten as much tension as it should have just because of all the post game stuff, but it's a huge head scratcher in the loss to South Dakota. I mean, yeah, South Dakota's a good team, but Oral Roberts is supposed to beat them. They're supposed right. to be playing much better this time of year. They, you know, it's, and it's on the defensive end too. And so there's just major red flags. But yeah. do they probably get past round one? I mean, obviously greater than 50% chance, but how much greater? I don't know. Yeah. All right, four or five, you got Kansas City and South Dakota. Uh, on paper, probably should be the closest game, should be the best matchup. What do you guys think happens? I don't Lunch know. Lunch game. Lunch pail game. It is. Yeah. It absolutely is. And, yep. and and you know what it is. It's I, I I wouldn't be shocked to see, you know, USD has struggled to get a ton of fans at their home games, but I can see them rallying in Sioux Falls and and just that potential semifinal matchup against South Dakota State. Um, uh, don't get me wrong. They're not going to be looking past Kansas City because Kansas City's too good. But I just think you know, coming out with fire and intensity, these two teams are going to go get after each other. I think that lunch right. game is a great descriptor. Um, it, this is going to be a hard fought battle on Sunday. You know, without like any inside information, like South Dakota state just seems to be like the, or I mean, South Dakota, I'm sorry, seems to be the type of team that just kind of likes wearing the black hat a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I don't think they really care that there's not going to be that many South Dakota fans there. Like I, I think that's perfectly fine with them. Like, I don't think that that's not something they've ever had or looked to or feed off of. And, you know, I, I think they kind of like it that way. And so I don't know. I, I, you know, again, they're, they're playing a little bit better and Kansas city better play well here. They better play well. And they have been, I guess, but um, you know, I'm just looking at the games from earlier this year, you know, it, it, for it's first to 70, but realistically, probably first to maybe 65. Um, but uh, no, it, it should be a good one. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, by the seating, it should be the best one. So. Yeah, <laughs> I think I've changed my mind three times while you guys are talking who I think yeah. is going to win. Uh, it, I think it's South Dakota. I don't know why. I don't have a good reason. I We know that the first four aren't going to all make it. Like, I just know that's not going to be the case. And and uh, it was really cool to see the Swinney uh, Center just packed for the yep. South Dakota State game. It was packed. I, I don't know that there was an open seat, not a big arena to begin with. Um, but and even with a down crowd, it's still more of a home atmosphere for South Dakota. I, I just think they they find a way. I, I think Kansas City's offense stalls in this one. And then with a team that defends really well, they can score the ball like crazy with the teams that don't defend as well, but they do struggle when you defend pretty solidly. Um, so I think South Dakota gets it. Do do we, what was our consensus on that one? Cause we have to move somebody forward if we're going to talk the next round. I don't even know if I made a pick. I, I part of because I, and I, and it's funny because I, I don't think, I think there's a lot of USD fans in Sioux Falls. I don't think many of them drive to Vermillion. I think it's going to in their backyard. I actually think their crowd will be pretty decent on a Sunday afternoon or Sunday evening, just because I think they're the only South Dakota team playing that day. Yeah. And uh, I wouldn't shock me to see actually a pretty decent crowd. I don't think Kansas City's going to travel very well. So I think they will have some people in their back pocket. No, it, it's, I, I, 
I don't know. I think you broke the tie. You picked South Dakota. Did you pick Kansas City? I don't, Zach. I don't know. Well, let me let me further muddy the waters here. These are probably <laughs> the, the the teams that are playing the best. I mean, Kansas City is seven and two in their last nine, and South Dakota is five and two in their last seven. Yeah. So not only do you have the the closest matchup here, but two of the teams that are playing the best, and could they win a second game? We could further muddy the waters. But no, it, it uh, it's it's going to be fascinating. I mean, just when you look at the style of play, you know, I think Kansas City uh, plays that style a little bit better. You know, I think again when you're talking about fighting fire with fire, but Kansas City being able to do a little bit better, I think that's kind of what we'll, we'll probably see. But uh, you know. South Dakota, they're just really playing better. I, you know, Mason Archambault is playing really well. Kamateros is playing really well. I mean, Kamateros versus Alec is going to be fantastic. You know, you're going to have Archambault chasing around, you know, Gilliard. And I just, I don't know, man. That That's uh, go ahead and flip a coin, Todd. You break the tie. Call it. I, I just flipped a coin. Wait, wait, who's hats? <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a great game. Kansas Make City sure Stales. Yeah. All right, sure Kansas City Stales, so South Dakota moves on. <laughs> All right. Yeah. All right. So that would bring us South Dakota State. Ver- well, and here's another talker to this point. We we went on and on about how South Dakota State doesn't want to see whomever. North Dakota State was the one that we talked the most about. They didn't want to see them as the four seed. Of these top five seeds, the two through five, who's the team that South Dakota State's excited to play? I don't think any of them. It's I, and so that's it's a tricky run through this tournament, even for a team that's never lost, hasn't lost all season. Yeah, well, I don't know that you get excited to play anybody. I think what you do is you embrace the opportunity, you embrace the moment. Right. I think that's the way Eric Anderson's going to sell it to his guys. Listen, we'll play anybody anytime anywhere and to be honest with you i think that's what every every coach is telling their team right now is this time of year you get out there and you lay it on the line you know those lower seeds with nothing to lose they're scary teams to play against and uh, everybody just says we will play whoever we play and right now every coach and it's coach speak we all know that you guys all get tired of it but it's hey all we know right now is who our first round matchup is and if we're fortunate enough to win that one we are ecstatic to play whoever the next opponent is, because that means we're playing one more game. So there, I got the coach speak out of the way that irritates Zach. I know, but nobody's in, you know, out there saying, oh, I hope so-and-so wins because we really want to get after them. Uh, they're not going to say that publicly if that's the case. What I will just say is, could there be a better Monday night than a South Dakota State USD semifinal yeah. and, and an NDSU ORU semifinal? Could we hope for a better Monday night than those nope. two games? You could not, you know, I don't think it, I don't think it's a coincidence that the two best teams in the conference at NDSU and South Dakota state, uh, their coaches talk the least about their opponents all year long. Yes. I, I think, I think they've been through this tournament so many times. They know it's coming. They know all, you know, how to control all these external forces and variables and things like that. And they know it wins and they understand that focusing on themselves is always more productive. You know, you don't want to get distracted by who you may be playing. And so I think that's part of the reason why they always have so much success. You know, they're built for winning at this time of year by how they build their team throughout the course of the year. Right. Yeah. And and Greg, I was going to talk five minutes of unwritten rules of basketball, but since you did coach speak, we don't want Zach to hang up on us. (laughs) I'll I'll just, yeah, I'll I'll go talk to kids in bed or something. You guys. (laughs) Yeah. 
Well, so let's move on to the second round. We, we decided with a flip of the coin that South Dakota was moving on. So we've got an all South Dakota uh, final with South Dakota, or semifinal with South Dakota State and South Dakota. What do you guys think happens in that one? The arena gets full. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. I think we have oh. a blast and it's a lot of fun. And then South Dakota State moves on. Yeah. It's like, like they're just a bad matchup for South Dakota. Yeah. Like it's yep. like th- these games are all about matchups, not necessarily people's records or stats. It, and I, I just think South Dakota is a particularly put, bad matchup. Or I should say South Dakota State is a particularly bad matchup for South Dakota. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, fair to say. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, out of the those four other teams we talked about, they seem to to move past South Dakota the, the easiest in their two matchups, and I do think that's a matchup issue. So South Dakota State moves on, and and I'll just make a short comment before we move on to the next game. There's a little bit of buzz that South Dakota State could uh, sneak in as an at-large team. I, I had never heard them even mentioned, but uh, Joey Brackets himself has brought the name up. I will tell you, if they don't make the championship game, there's no chance. Yeah. And so like this, I I don't think there's a huge chance no matter what. But uh, I I think losing before the championship game at the summit, it would be um, disastrous for any of those chances. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they're in the NIT already, which is certainly not what they want to end up playing in. Um, uh, But yeah, I'm I'm with you. Um, it's cute for the summer league to get some mention that way. Um, that's fantastic. Uh, they're, they're not going to make it if they would lose uh, in, you know, I think in any game in the, in the summit, I, I don't think they get in as that large. Yeah, I don't, I don't either. It always helps to make it to ESPN two on, you know, championship game day, but I, I don't think they do, but yeah. So we moved them on anyway. So here they are in our, our made up uh, championship game. The next game, you got North Dakota State and Oral Roberts, the rematch uh, from oh, about a week ago, two weeks ago, maybe now. What do you guys think happens in that one? I, I don't see much difference. Um, I think it's going to be the same thing. I think, you know, the fact that NDSU can throw two or three bigger athletic defenders at max is, is a big problem. Um, like we've seen, you know, Oral Roberts, you know, they're kind of, again, one of those teams like that. We know that they're not going to adjust much. Um, they have their style of play and they're just going to stick to it. it. It's just kind of, and is a real bad matchup for them. I mean, that front court, Lufile is great, but they need three Lufiles. Yeah. And, um, that, that has proven to be a big problem. You know, when, when you start getting down into the Nate Clovers and, and such, um, that, it's a big, big problem for Oral Roberts, and it's, it'll undoubtedly happen. And DeShane Weaver, he is, boy, is he in a slump. And it's just too bad to see. I really thought we were going to see 15 points per game out of him this year. But, uh, you know, they really don't have that pick-and-pop component that puts additional pressure on the defense. And, you know, and so if it's Lufile that's setting the pick, it's totally different than DeShane Weaver, who could knock down a three. Um, so I, don't, I just think it's a particularly bad matchup, and I, I think this is a – this is as good of a path that NDSU could have hoped for to the championship game. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they're going to have to play, um, you know, better than they have even the last few weeks, even though they put, put some pretty good performances out there. I still don't think they played poorly against Kansas city. I give Kansas city a lot of credit in that road win, but I just think the urgency will be there for this, for a group of seniors, uh, you know, the, that, that leadership group of Edie and, and Greasel and, and cruiser. I think they're not going to leave anything to chance. I think they'll play at a high level. 
the most important thing it has to have for NDSU is Greasel has to stay on the floor. He can't get caught up in foul trouble. And back to a point you made early on, and I think even a podcast to go, is Max Asmus 100%? If he's not, I just think that's even a bigger yield uh, for ORU to climb. Yeah. Yeah, it, the, I agree that North Dakota State would win that game. I think what, for both those teams, all the crap from the game up in Fargo has to just not even be a thing. Like if anybody brings that to the floor – in the semifinals of the Summit League, like you're, you're already, your team's already in trouble. Very and, much so. And, and so I think it really is just get focused, play the game. I mean, can Oral Roberts beat them? Of course they can. Sure. And if they were defending the way they were even a month and a half ago, I think it's a whole different discussion. Or defending like they were in the Summit League tournament last year. There's not. And so I, I, I do think. Isaac McBride would be a focus for Oral Roberts. I think he's starting to show that whether Max is back or not next year, I think Isaac McBride's going to be a special player in the summit next year. Uh, I I think we'll be discussing him in in those first and second teams. And, but Zach, I like your point. Like Elijah Lufile is great, but they need two more. And they're just Mm -hmm. the guys that there's some guys with size, but they're not ready. And so, it, they'd have to find a way to shut down North Dakota State on offense, and I, they, at least the most recent example, they didn't even come close to that. And they they got up and played South Dakota State really tough and played some good defense, but then they, South Dakota goes to Tulsa and kind of runs through them. So I just don't see it, that they're going to do it. Um, well, and they're very capable, without question. I mean, if they ha- if they play well and and uh, catch NDSU on a night where NDSU is their own, um, deep, you know, offensive problem where they go through a seven-minute dry spell, which is not something that's, you know, impossible to happen for NDSU because it's happened a lot. Um, I, I, I mean, they're very capable. I, I, I'm not acting like this is going to be an easy game. It's going to be a hard-fought game. And to your initial point, you know, I have it on pretty good authority. There will be no latitude. There, there, there will be if you look at someone wrong in that game, yeah. uh, you're going to be in trouble. And, and I think that's the exact right way it has to be handled because. Um, I think both coaches are smart enough to understand they can't afford a situation like that. And they'll make sure that the players understand that as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, the reason why I'm not concerned about a reoccurrence of anything, because it wasn't anybody that was on the floor that caused the problem, you know? So like, I honestly, I don't think the players have an issue with each other. Like I don't think Elijah Lafila and Grant Nelson have an issue with each other. I think they just happen to be standing next to each other when chaos broke out. So you know, I, I I think that's kind of, you know, certainly it'll be a storyline, but I'm not really thinking about it at all, to be honest with you. Um, and for NDSU, you know, it's for whatever reason, it, Western Illinois and Kansas City just gave them all kinds of problems. And so, again, not that you want to avoid certain teams, but to not face either one of those teams has to be a huge positive, um, if, if for no other reason, just for their confidence. So, um, but I mean, NDSU, you know, they're rolling right along. I mean, I. If it wouldn't have been for that Kansas City game, man, I, I would probably have different feelings about this tournament. But, you know, seven and one over their last eight. And so they're they're rolling along, playing pretty well. Yeah. You must have a short memory from when you were a college kid because you think college kids forget things like that. You're crazy. Well, but it was like it like, no, like if I got tangled up with somebody or if there was an issue with like another player on the court, well, there, there I, I would I'd be. Yeah, I'd be I'd be figuring out how I could set the first hard screen on them. Absolutely. <laughs> 
I'd oh, be, yeah. I'd be, I'd be plotting that. I no doubt about it. But I, I think, honestly, I think a lot of the players were just as puzzled as Richmond was. Um, well, it, it, it'll be, it'll be the elephant in the room. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. Yeah. But I just, boy, if something happens, I would be. Everybody should be fired. Even the person serving popcorn should be fired. <laughs> Just so everyone knows, I'm serving no popcorn at that game. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, well, and I, I just think you're a game away f- from the championship game of the, of the Summer League tournament. Like, there's just so much bigger things. I hope, yeah. I I just hope it's guys, all the best. Guys, I, I agree 100%. We're talking about 18 to 20-year-old kids with a ton of emotion, and there's some <laughs> baggage. I, I, I hope and pray it doesn't happen. It would be stupid if it does. But we're yeah. sitting here. I mean, I've said I was one of those guys that put his livelihood in the hands of 18 to 22 year old kids. You know, maybe not the wisest thing on earth to do, but it was a passion, <laughs> something you're passionate about. And you love those kids no matter what. And they'll find a way to grow through it. But, yeah, ideally, I hope that that's exactly the way it plays out. I'm just saying they're still college kids. Well, and the I, only other thing I'll say on Oral Roberts, just as far as in this game that's a little different from that game in Fargo. Max went up against South Dakota South Dakota State. That the explosiveness seemed back a little bit. So there's that and Carlos Jurgens finally started to be the Carlos Jurgens we remember from a year ago. Yeah, Jurgens so, has kind of taken over that pick and pop from DeShang Weaver. I mean he he knocked down three of those in Grand Forks. So or, it, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I was thinking lots of but you're you're hundred percent right about Jurgens. Sorry, continue. I'll stop talking. So yeah, just a couple things <laughs> that I saw. If they can, if they can get that, um, Elijah Lufile, we've talked enough about. But again, another guy. He led the Summit League by in offensive rebounds by 15, and he played, you know, a pretty minimal role for half the year. But uh, so it'll. I I do think it's North Dakota State. I just I I think we're in for a very different game than we had in Fargo. I think so too. I agree. It'll be hard fought. All right. Well, that leads us to the two teams that up until last year had kind of been the representative in the NCAA tournament for, ah, what was it? 10, 12 years before that. Um, South Dakota state taking on North Dakota state. Does South Dakota state finish the summit perfect, including the tournament or does North Dakota state pull one off? (laughs) You know, I've never really been more confident in a team that has given me probably less reason to be than NDSU. Like, I still I love the way they match up with South Dakota State. I love it. You know, like, I I think if they play through their, their post, you know, clearly South Dakota State wants to do that as well. But I I like NDSU's ability to guard them in the post. I think Andrew Morgan is a big part of this game if they play again. That hasn't really been to this point. And so NDSU has one more post to bring off the bench. Right. And I think Grant Nelson's healthy now. I think Sam Griesel now is finally fully healthy. And I I really, really like how NDSU matches up against South Dakota State. But the reason that South Dakota State has been winning isn't primarily about talent and isn't primarily about matchups. It's about their mental and physical toughness to always figure out what needs to be done and stick to it better than any other team in this conference. And that's why they've won so many different ways. So, I mean, I South Dakota State has given 
nobody a reason to doubt them. But I still I really love the way that NDSU matches up against them. Well, and Zach, they, they like to your point, they proved it twice in the regular season. I mean, I know they got down big, but they you know at home came flying back. They they played SDSU to a one or two possession game late in Brookings. Uh, these two teams do match up, and and they they do cause problems for each other. And they're both experienced. They've both got you know uh, gutsy guys who are their primary decision makers and ball handlers who really elevate the level of the guys around them. I think it could be a, a classic championship game if those two teams are able to get there. Um, I am not going to make a pick in it, and I don't know that I made a pick to this point <laughs> because I'm not going to. And uh, I just I agree with you that, that they are the team, I think, in this league that, that matches up the best with South Dakota State, and they would have to play their best game of the season to give themselves a chance. I mean, nobody matches up with Baylor Shireman better than Sam Griesel. Right. Nobody matches up with Douglas Wilson better than Grant Nelson. And then you have the issue of Rocky Cruiser and, you know, probably, yeah, Luke, App- Luke Apple. Um, mm-hmm. so I, I just, I really like the way NDSU matches up here. To your point, though, it, this will be the first time I think Grant Morgan is fully healthy and he is playing at a very good level. That kid does not play like a freshman. I, I'm not saying he puts up huge numbers, but that kid knows how to play on the low block. I yeah. mean, yeah, yeah, he, he's a he's a, the next great NDSU post player, no doubt about it. So, so we're at the point in the podcast where the coin has made more picks than Greg. Um, yes. <laughs> and the coin is more right than me, probably. <laughs> I, I think South Dakota, I, if South Dakota State hadn't been challenged so many times yeah. by the top teams, by North Dakota State twice, by Oral Roberts once, I just think they're going to find a way. But this is probably the the matchup they prefer to avoid in the championship. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, yeah, they'd much rather see basically anybody else. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying I'm rushing out to call my friends in the desert about this one and, <laughs> right. you know, but, but I'm just, I'm more trying to build the case as to why something could happen here. Yeah. I think, and I think you're right. It's a great point. Well, and as a summit league fan, like, uh, because I, as I will say that, I would prefer South Dakota State being the representative because they're going to be a 12 seed or something like that. Anyone else is going to be a 15 or, you know, if it isn't North Dakota State, probably a 16. Um, So for the good of the league, I kind of hope it's South Dakota State. But that's what March is all about, right? (laughs) It's not worrying about tomorrow. It's worrying about what's right in front of you. Well, that is a good point. I mean, we're talking about raising the profile. Like, okay, so if you're – like, I don't mean to put words in Commissioner Fenton's mouth here, but, like, I mean, obviously, it'd be great for the league, you know, if South Dakota State were able to win because they'd be the higher seed. They'd have a greater chance of winning games in the NCAA tournament because they're a better seed, be playing a worse team, all that stuff. And then, you know, it, you would also have this storyline of the fact that South Dakota State runs the table but trips up one game, you know, they they would be whatever, 21-1 and one or 20-1 and one at that point and not in the NCAA tournament, and we have to kind of be talking about that rather than who's ever in the NCAA tournament or whatever. Uh, It'd sure be nice and clean if South Dakota State made it, but, you know, it's it's also why we play them, and that's why it's March. So, I mean, we saw yesterday all those top ten teams upset. That's just sort of the nature of it, and that's the brutal nature of it, but that's also what makes it so so rewarding when you do make it. 
can't wait. Let's get this thing rolling, right? Should be a great tournament, man. <laughs> like it's like you said, it's not like SDSU has just been blowing out people. You know, they they've been teams have been challenging them, and it's been you know taking them to overtime and whatnot. So it's going to be an unbelievable tournament. I really do believe. I, I think there's you know at least five teams there that are going to play basketball at a really high level right now. Well, and I do think this is the year, the first year in many that I just don't see a six or lower seed winning more than a game. Like the yeah. the top five are just so good yep. compared to years past. Yeah, good point. I agree with you. Mm-hmm. But then, of course, now we'll be talking about Denver's miracle run or something crazy. But because uh, it's a one-game scenario. They're not seven-game playoffs. All right. Well, with that, we gave a little bit of bulletin board material. We flipped a coin. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think a pretty darn good preview of what we're about to see for the next week. And we will uh, go from there. We're not exactly sure what will happen. We're looking at some possibilities of doing a few things during the tournament. It just gets tricky with Greg working games and and not knowing who's going to be where and all of that. But stay tuned. We might find some stuff to be able to do in between. Um, and And we'll keep you guys notified mostly on Twitter. But until then, we'll talk to you guys next time. Happy March Madness, everybody. Absolutely.